0: Welcome to It's Hard to Be a Leader podcast. I'm your host, Elena Noel, certified NLP practitioner and CEO and author of Inspiring Accountability in the Workplace. Join me on this podcast for brain-based strategies, insights from guest leaders and coaches, and actionable solutions for your real-world leadership challenges. It has never been more challenging to be a leader, but it's hard to give better support to others if you're not receiving enough support yourself. I've helped thousands of leaders improve employee engagement, accountability, and results, and I'm here to support you in navigating today's challenges so you can enjoy being a leader while bringing out the best performance and fulfillment in your employees. If you would like to submit your leadership challenges and get some support from the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit your questions and challenges at to com. Today, I'm doing a quick bonus episode about how do you inspire accountability with your family and we happen to be recording this in december and so holidays are happening and i thought it would be fun to take a look at how the inspiring accountability clear results model can help you navigate better communication and reduce conflict during times when you're interacting more with your family let's get into the episode One of the key foundations is about how you are approaching accountability. The number one goal that we focus on with Inspiring Accountability is about keeping your employee receptive. And in this case, since we're taking a quick departure out of the workplace, how can you keep your family members receptive? How can you communicate in a way that is going to keep them receptive and connected to what you're saying and to your desired outcome? You can use the same principles of the clear results model in order to give you some pointers and some best practices on how you can have hopefully a little more peace with your family during the holidays. The family can be a source of some of the deepest trigger trenches that we have. At least that's what I call them in the book. There's a phrase, neurons that fire together, wire together. And what that means is as triggers continue to get triggered, they're unresolved, these neurons that are wired together to create this reaction get stronger and stronger. And so they become harder to unsugar and they also become more generalized. So what used to be something more specific, hey, when you say this specific thing to me, you know, I'm left feeling X, YZ way, but then it can become when you don't put the dishes away, I feel like you don't care about me at all. Family happens to be Uh, Just They can create some of our deepest trigger trenches because we've spent so many years, most likely, with family members and during such pivotal developmental times. So there's just a lot of habits and triggers that get wired together. And as you grow up and go through different stages of your life, your relationships with family may change, but those triggers might not. So I'm hoping that this episode will give you some options going through the clear results model. How can you apply this with your family? So at the top of the clear results model is C, clarify the desired result. Or in our personal lives, we might think of it more as a desired outcome. This is similar to what you would do in the workplace as a best practice, but stay focused on your outcome. Maybe it's, I want to make sure that we're all able to eat by this time. Maybe you're coordinating who's bringing what. And so you want to be clear about, hey, we want to make sure that we need these ingredients before this time. Whatever you're coordinating, stay focused on clarifying what this desired outcome is that you want. And when you're checking in on where people are at or how things are going, if you lead with, we talked about being ready by 4 p.m., which means I will need this by 12 p.m., what are you expecting your timing to be? Or let's say you get involved in a conversation that you don't really want to continue. You can also ask, what is the desired outcome that we want from this? You could say something like, I can feel myself getting frustrated and I really want to have a good, peaceful time tonight. So let's talk about something else. And that good, peaceful time can be your way of sharing a positive outcome that you're looking for and reorienting back to what you're looking for from this time. If you feel like someone is engaging with you or talking with you in a way that you don't appreciate, if you want to be pretty direct, but you can still be clear and kind, you could say, it seems like you're irritated with me. What are you looking for from this conversation so that I can help us get there faster? Something like that. That can usually help de-escalate something. And if it doesn't, well, you can't win them all. (laughs) Okay, so there are some best practices for how you can come back to that clarified outcome. Let's look at the next step, which is L, learn what's in the way. Focusing on learning what's in the way before jumping into reactions or solutions. So in the workplace, we would be, Clarifying a desired outcome, and then asking the employee what could get in the way of being able to achieve this, or what is getting in the way if you've already brought it up. So, in this case, how we can apply that with family members is to focus on asking open ended conversational questions instead of closed and directive questions. So, closed or directive questions are really seeking quick compliance. So, they might be rhetorical, like, hey, you've gotten that done right, or hey, you're bringing this right. But if you ask open-ended conversational questions, you have a better chance at getting one, realistic answers, and two, keeping things conversational. So you can, again, still be clear. But sometimes people use being direct as an excuse to cover up maybe not the most empathy or kindness. You can still be clear and warm, clear and kind. So let's go ahead and look at some examples. If you want to check in on how someone is doing. Are they going to be on time? Are they bringing the things they said they would? If you say, and you have the list for today, right? Or you're going to pick that up on your way, right? If you are checking because you don't really trust that it's going to happen in the way you need or on time, then you can ask that as an open-ended question where you will get a more realistic answer. So that might look like instead of you're picking that up today, what time do you plan on picking that up? You can even soften that with a little bit of gratitude hey, I really appreciate you picking up the ingredients. What time are you planning on going to the store so I can time my cooking with that? The value of asking this, when do you expect to be able to do this, is that you will get a realistic answer versus someone quickly saying, oh yeah, yeah, I've got it, I'll do it. Now how we would actually be using the learn what's in the way step in the workplace, which just of course has a different dynamic. There's a different expectation of what our roles are. And so in the workplace, applying it here, it might be, Okay, great. You're planning on going to the store at 10 a.m. Do you think anything could get in the way of you being able to do that? Now, this could be valid, right? If this is someone who struggles with, you know, quote unquote, being on time, they may say, well, sure, you know, if the kids aren't on time and this happens and this happens. And that might give you an indication that maybe you shouldn't rely on this as much as you need. Or maybe you can double down and say, okay, if any of those things happen, If you can't make it by 1030, please let me know and I'll have someone else do it so that I can stay on time. So all of this, again, is about coming back to your desired result, which is to, let's say, start cooking with these ingredients at a certain time. And so what you're really looking for is not easy compliance. Yes, yes, I've got it. No problem. I'll do it. You're actually looking for what is the realistic expectation that you can have about how humans work. But you want to be mindful of using this tactic in a personal relationship. I would probably only go to this if it is someone who is normally not on time or if when they're talking about when they can go to the store, they're giving you a lot of detail, right? Like you can sense that maybe they're a little stressed about it or, you know, it's feeling a little hectic. Then I think you could ask that question. But if someone's really clear, nope, my plan is 1030, it might feel a little bit awkward to say, okay, well, what could get in the way of that? So Use that at your discretion. I would say it's a better fit for the workplace setting, but there may be times if you're reading into the conversation that it can be a useful strategy here. Another communication best practice that helps people stay receptive is replacing the we need to, we should, or we must. And changing that directive language into clear preferences for you, because that is what we're talking about, right? We are all having these preferences. So that would sound like, I'd prefer that we do this. I'd prefer that we eat at this time. What do you think? Or I'd like to make that without this ingredient. What do you think? Would you be open to that? What could we do instead? So if you share your preference, you share your perspective, and then ask for theirs, that is much more effective than coming from, we need to do this, we should do this, we must do this. That can make people feel a little more defensive if they don't agree. So, you wanna make space for understanding, for learning what might be in their way, or in this case, learning what their perspective is, so that you can share yours and collaborate ideally toward hopefully a shared outcome or figuring out how you can at least work toward getting your desired result met. And if you have a contentious relationship with someone that might be at a family gathering, If that conversation is going in a space you don't want, you could always ask the open-ended question of, I'm not sure if I'm taking what you said in the way you mean it. So what response do you expect me to have when you say that? That's a little bit, let's say, advanced and not always necessary, but it might help you feel a little more empowered if you're engaged in a conversation and you don't appreciate the way that you're being talked to. You want to approach that, again, trying to keep them receptive. Uh, without being too confrontational. You want to leave them room to be able to win, uh, but also being clear about what does and doesn't work for you and sticking to that perception language, what you're perceiving, what you're experiencing, and then asking that open-ended question and looking for a genuine response. That's how we can look to try to connect, communicate, collaborate instead of shut off with walls. Sometimes you need to do that, but this is a possible step before that. And one bonus tip in terms of keeping family members or anyone receptive is don't ask why. Why is an accusation in any language? That is a quote from Chris Voss, who wrote Never Split the Difference, a book on negotiating. So why is an accusation in any language? So why did you do that? Why didn't you say that? Why, why, why? No, no, no. Not if you want to keep people receptive. Instead, you can replace that with some version of what got in the way. So you can restate that desired result. I thought that we were meeting at three. What got in the way of that? Or if it's something it's too late, it could be starting with that clear result. I thought I said that I was allergic to this ingredient. What can we do next time to make sure that we don't include that? I'm pulling up examples because I don't have anything super specific. but Hopefully you can feel the structure underneath that. So when we ask someone, why did you do that again, workplace or personal, we're looking at the past and we are also requiring them to justify what they did, which is going to put them in a defensive place. It's likely going to trigger their creature brain. And once they are not receptive, we cannot create a more meaningful plan for next time, which means we're not getting closer to an eventual desired result. So what you want to do is seek to understand first and then say, next year, you know, what can we do to make sure that and then you can state your desired outcome. So the next step of the clear results model is explore what's possible. So what does that look like when it comes to family? We kind of started to get into that actually in this last example. So here's where we could learn what's in the way. But what we want to do is if something has already happened and it didn't go to plan, that's where you can start asking, what can we do to ensure that this happens next year or next time? You can't change the past. You can just make a realistic plan for the future. So when things go wrong, you can learn what's in the way. If you can do it non-confrontationally, as we just talked about, or sometimes you can simply just skip to, oh, you know, I'm really disappointed. I thought this was going to happen. Again, that's your perception language. What can we do next year to, again, try to achieve that desired result? Another way you can use this, again, in slightly more contentious relationships might be given that we disagree on that. How can we move on so that we can spend the rest of this time together and have a good time? Again, I'm hoping you can feel the structure of what's happening here. You'll have to personalize it yourself. And something that is a little more personal, not so much in the workplace, is you can write out what you want before you go. Write out what you wish would happen, how you wish someone would interact with you, what you wish someone would respect about your perspectives, and then write out what's typical. So a lot of times we are surprised we act surprised, but I don't want to say act, we feel surprised, we act surprised, some combination of that when the same behavior happens all the time. And this comes from us usually having some unprocessed grief or some remaining anger or sadness that this other person is not living their life differently or is not thinking differently or is not treating us the way that we want. But we can be surprised and relive this disappointment, this anger every time. But the only person suffering from that is you. The best predictor of future behavior is the most recent behavior, unless some learning has interrupted that, which can be the case in the workplace using the clear results model, but is less likely the case in our personal relationships. So the best predictor of future behavior is the most recent behavior. And so this exercise of here's what I want, and I maybe always go to this person hoping I get a different reaction or whatnot and then write what is typical. And then when you're working with your desired outcome really and reality, so what is typical, then you on your own can get ready to create some asks of what would help bridge those. So instead of you reliving the disappointment or frustration of what probably you could expect, You can turn that into some asks that might help start to bridge those. But if you're not asking, you're probably not going to get anything differently. And then you could actually use the clear results model again in a more personal way to understand, hey, is there a desired outcome we can agree on with how we want to interact, let's say, at this get together? And okay, great. I know what I can do. Here's something that I could do. Then you can explore your version of what could get in the way. Let's talk about each of us. Here's what might get in my way. I know that when this topic comes up, I can get triggered and defensive. So maybe we could just skip that topic. What about for you? What could get in the way for you of us keeping this agreement? And then from there you can explore what's possible, right? Okay, what what can we do given these maybe things that bring us to a place we don't we've agreed that we don't want to go? What can we each do in order to support that desired outcome? And you may not always have agreement And so for those cases where you're not expecting agreement, I mean, sometimes it's worth trying once, um, but if you don't think the other person is receptive, then at a minimum, you can be aware when you're re-experiencing this disappointment as if it's the first time, every time, and instead get clear about what you'd like, get clear about what is typical, and then decide, is there an ask in here or do I just need to work on some grief? Honestly, stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, or sadness, and acceptance. So those are common responses when someone is surprised again and again. I can't believe they did this again. Oh my gosh, they're still talking about that, et cetera, is you can just work on some early grief acceptance. And that's all in alignment if let's say a desired outcome for you is to experience more peace at family gatherings. The next component of the clear results model is asking for the action step. And so that might be something like, okay, what's our plan? What should we do now? So that might be just asking questions that move towards some type of decision or clear action. So, okay, great. What is our plan? What is your role? What is mine? What should we do now? This is not a complicated step, but it is a great reminder to keep coming back to clear asks, clear roles, clear expectation. Turn confusion into clarity. And the last step of the Clear Results model is revisiting. So this would probably only apply if you make some new agreements for next year. So in this case, you might say, you know, let's make sure we talk in November about our plans and let's make sure that we get everything we need to be aligned for a successful get- together next year. And in a smaller way, although some of these other best practices have tied into this, you can also revisit any time you're feeling concerned about that plans might change or if you're not on the same page, You can simply restate what you're expecting and ask what their plan is, if their plan is still aligning with that. Again, open-ended questions are better. I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, just checking in to see if that's still the plan. Here's what I'm planning. Here's what I'm bringing by when. What is your plan as of now? The bottom line is if you're seeking clarity or assurance, lessen your own anxiety and confusion by stating what you think the plan is and by asking an open-ended question to understand where they are at. So this is a little bit of seek to understand before being understood and sharing your perception and leaving room for theirs. And last but not least, coming back to having more peace at family gatherings, a final best practice is to come up with three words for yourself that help anchor you in how you want to show up. What happens in families is we create these dynamics, right? And they become these kind of trigger trenches at times. And so when you shift how you show up, you can actually prevent this invitation. You know, your creature brain is going to invite their creature brain to play. And by play, I mean fight, freeze, flee, bond. Not exactly the type of play we're looking for. But when you show up differently, you can help keep other people receptive And, you know, it's not your job to manage other people's triggers. Uh, It's your job to manage your own. But there are many times when it can support our desired outcome to contribute positively to the other person's experience. So if you can help keep people receptive and your desired outcome is peace, then come up with three anchoring words of how you want to show up or what you want to experience that you have control over. So whatever those might be, they could be uh, calm. They could be fun. They could be curious. It might be, you could turn into a phrase listening more. It could be being more assertive or sharing my, sharing my perspectives more, whatever you want, pick three things that are fairly easy for you to anchor yourself to. And when you're noticing anything shift, come back to those words and just repeat them in you, find them in you and come back to controlling the one thing you really can't control, which is hard enough as it is. And that is ourselves. So, I've used this three centering words as a best practice for clients who are experiencing board meetings, performance reviews, and even students who are taking tests. Uh, It's something that has gotten really good feedback. And so, that is one last little best practice that I can leave with you. So, that is our bonus quick episode of how you can use the clear results model to inspire more accountability at family gatherings. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate, subscribe, and share with anyone that you think could get value from this. And we'll be back with more leadership content in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I welcome your questions and your feedback. So you can go to It's Hard to Be a Leader and submit your questions or accountability challenges. I would love to answer them on the podcast. You can find out more about me, Elena Noel, check out the book and other workshops and services at inspiringaccountability.com. Together, let's work with what makes us human and make work and the world a better place. We'll see you next time.